in 2017, um, a good friend of mine, Tanya Gonzalez, she's the director for the Sacred Heart um, Center in Richmond. And she's like, you know what? You need to start a nonprofit so that you can actually see um, what impact you're making, if any, and be able to, to adjust accordingly. And so she helped me create um, what, what was a VSEP for Belize, which is Virginia Emergency Services Assistance Program, which is a big mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> but in my mind, I was thinking, trying to create an organization that was inclusive of you know, um, all emergency services. And then when um, VCU has a um, create-a-thon um, that is geared towards nonprofit, um, what they do, they pretty much create um, a logo, um, branding, um, and they, um, you know, we applied and got into that. And so they created, um, they came up with Belize Heroes um, because they wanted to keep the focus on the firefighters in Belize. And so, and, that, um, and that's been taken off. Welcome to the Firehouse Logbook Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Dawson. I got to sit down the other day and talk with a former Chesterfield, Virginia firefighter who's now with Hanover County, Virginia. But Virginia is not where Archibald Mac McFarland got his start. He started much younger, too young actually, and much farther south. But what's truly inspiring today is what Mac is doing to improve the fire service where he got his start. You'll hear all about that and more on this episode of the Logbook with Mac McFarland. So you're working in Hanover now, is that right? That's correct. Still working there? Yeah. Um, I started in Hanover in uh, October of uh, 2008. 2008. Yeah. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess people are listening to your voice and going, that's not a Hanover accent. <laughs> so uh, let's, let's go back a little bit further even and talk about where you came from. Where are you from? I'm from uh, the Central American country of Belize. Belize. Yeah. What, what's uh, And you started your fire service career there, right? That's right. Um I kind of started off as a volunteer. Um, it kind of fell, I would say, by accident in the sense that uh, I joined the military, the Belize military, the Belize, the Belize Defense Force, and um, forged my age to get in. And they found out later on while I was in the the, um, the academy, and they uh, they kicked me out. So how, how old were you? How old were you? How old were you? And how old were you supposed to be? Um, I was sixteen. Um, I'd finished uh, high school, and you have to be. Um, you know, either 16 and a half or 17. Um, and yeah, you didn't I, miss it by that much. Yeah, but they were, they were very strict. And the fact that uh, when they found out, there was nothing that they could do. So I got marched to um, military jail. Only <laughs> 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 for a few hours before I was facing the, uh, the tribunal and was told I had to go home. So, so yeah, so you started and, and then wound up having to quit. Did you, uh, did you come back to them? Um, no, um, they told me that once I became of age, I could just come on in. I didn't have to go through um, any process. Okay. Um, by that time I, I got home, um, my mom was glad to see me because she didn't want me to join in the first place. And my brother, he was a firefighter uh, with the Belize National Fire Service. And so he said, uh, you know, until you could figure out what you want to do, why don't you come and volunteer as a firefighter and then, you, you know, go from there. And um, I fought my first fire with him and I never looked back. Oh, wow. <laughs> So you started as a volunteer. Now talk a little bit about the, the fire service in Belize. It's, it's a little different than here in the States, isn't it? Is it, is it it's a national fire service? Yeah, it's, um, it's a national fire service. It's like the federal government running the fire department for the entire country. Um, you have one fire chief, 
And um, Belize has uh, six districts. And um, within all those districts, we have about uh, 50, 16 fire, fire stations. Um, each of those fire stations um, are um, run by what we call a sub-officer, which is equivalent to a captain. Um, but all of them report to one fire chief. Okay. So and just from a scale perspective, Belize is not a really big country. So it has six um, jurisdictions, basically, that fill how, how big a country is it? How many folks are, are in, in, the, in the country of Belize? Um, Belize is about the size of Massachusetts. You know, if, to give a visual, it's about um, uh, uh, 8,867 square miles. Um, we have a population. Right, right now, we are actually, um, it's close to 400,000. Um, but at the time, we were, we were right about 300 when I um, uh, first came here. So um, it, it's probably about a population of Chesterfield or Henrico, basically. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you're 16, we say 16 stations? Yeah. About how many firefighters or crew, how many people are on, on in the service in Belize? Um, currently, it, we're right about around 160, 170 um, firefighters. Um, and that's just um, the career. We have like um, volunteers that get, you know, maybe um, like another 150. Um, and uh, it, it's very though because um, in the city, you have uh, actually a, a, a full crew of complement, but in the um, district stations, you might have uh, one or two person working um, at any one time. So it, it, it varies by, um, by jurisdiction just because of the, um, the, the density and the um, pretty much the target hazard that you're dealing with. So are those, um, those lower staff stations, they're like more rural countryside? Yeah, absolutely. The, okay, yeah, I got gotcha. you. What, what's, the, what's the staffing like there for those larger communities? Is it, uh, you know, how many people do they have on an engine? How many units do they have in a station? Um, Belize City has two stations. Um, that is um, the most populated um, just because of uh, that's where all, a lot of the commerce um, takes place. Um, and that's where the airport, the ports um, is located. And um, with the two um, stations, you know, they have the two engines um, and uh, maybe four, five. Um, not, there's not a minimum staffing level, so there's, there's um, times when either by a sick out or vacation that you might end up going with, you know, two folks and then maybe have to call in um, volunteers to come in to try to supplement the staffing. But um, uh, the fire department have not established a minimum staffing where if they have to hire overtime. I mean, if they don't have the person, they don't they have the person. Have, they run the empty seat. Yeah. Those volunteers, are they typically, uh, I mean, like much like volunteers in the States, they have other full-time jobs doing doing something else, accountants, farmers, industry, or, or they, then they come back from home or do, from their regular jobs to fill those seats? Yeah, um, yeah the, the volunteers are, um, we used to call them like sleeping firemen. Um, not that they sleep a lot, but that's um, sleeping that um, they have their full-time jobs, and then in the evening, they come and sleep at the fire station from about, like, you know, 6 to 5 the next morning, you know, shower off and then go back to work. And, and that um, allowed the night crew to have, like, an um, a extra um, complement of folks um, that pretty much go home because in, in, in Belize, we use everybody. We use the mechanics um, that work during the day. They know how to pump the, um, the fire engine because they fix them. So if a big fire breaks out, you know, they would bring out um, one of the other, um, um, you know, I guess the reserve fire engine and start pumping that as well. Mm -hmm. And the logistics folks, they're there, office people, you know. So during the day, there's a, they're not a part of the staffing, but they're there if we need them. And so at nighttime, we lose that. 
And so we, we have the um, volunteer sleeping fireman that comes in. So do they do they literally sleep? Do they sleep in there every night, or is it just do they have like a duty night that they come in and sleep at the station and they go back to their homes on the other six nights a week, or are they staying at the station pretty much all the time? Um, they depend. Uh, they are a lot of them are younger guys that um, you know don't have uh, a family uh, established yet and yeah. uh, afford to, to to be able to spend the whole week there and then maybe go home on the weekend or something like that, but. For the, the guys that do have uh, wife and kids, they may do, um, you know, one or two days a week. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, then ultimately you uh, you left Belize and moved uh, moved to the States and came to Chesterfield. Uh, what, what was uh, what was that decision like and uh, what was that transition like? Um, well, um, I, I met my wife in, in Belize. She was a, um, she's from the States and um, she was in the Peace Corps uh, in Belize. And so I was the, at that time I'd, um, became a full-time uh, firefighter and rose to the rank of training officer. And one of my job, it was to teach uh, defensive driving. And so she uh, worked for one of the government office or building um, departments that um, gave her a vehicle to be able to go out to the districts to do um, whatever um, job function that she was doing in social work. But most of the government vehicles are uh, stick shifts. And uh, she couldn't drive a stick shift. Uh-oh. So <laughs> they... Uh, it's like, hey, um, why don't you go over to the fire station and uh, tell the chief, you know, to have this guy teach you how to drive a stick shift. So that's how we... Uh, we that's how you met your wife, too. That's huh? right. We, we went out every evening because um, I couldn't do it during the day because she was working and I was working. But in the evening, they, um, they, we would go out for a couple hours and, you know, teach her to drive, um, even teach her how to feather. I said, you're not going to pass this unless you learn how to uh-huh. feather your crutches. So, um, any scary moments did she ever get you grabbing the dash or jamming on your own brakes on your passenger side? Oh, yeah, oh definitely. <laughs> um, you know, we uh, we have a, a bridge, um, the, the swing bridge, and believe it's one of the steepest ones, and that's where we take folks to, to actually test to see uh. if they had um, mastered that skill. And um, it's a couple times when uh, you know, I thought that we were going to be hitting a bunch of cars behind us, <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> but she passed and she did get it now. You know, she loved the stick shift. Fine, fine instructor, I'm sure. Yeah. So she's the she's the reason you went up coming back to the states. Yeah, um, we we were living in Belize for um, a couple of years, and um, she still had, had uh, student loans to pay. And um, of course, the exchange rate is uh, two Belize dollars for one US. So needless to say, that wouldn't wasn't a good exchange rate for the right. Not, the not to way. pay paying off on student loans. Yeah. And so. Um, we came to, for a visit to uh, visit her um, parents in um, Norfolk, and we um, she had friends in Northern Virginia, so we decided that we would drive from Norfolk to Northern Virginia, and we would stop at each fire station on the way and pick up application or ask about the process and all that stuff. Because one of the things that I had told her is that if I can't get in the fire department, I'm going back home. Uh, uh? <laughs> so that was so she was definitely nervous about that, and you know, and so she um, was making sure she made every stop just oh, to make sure oh, she absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you know, and now uh, we stopped in at uh, Chesterfield, and I remember that um, Captain Daniels was in training. Dave Daniels. Uh, Dave Daniels. Yeah. That's the first time I met him, and um, we started talking, and you know, I, he didn't have a application uh, at the time, so he asked me for my address. And so I gave it to him, and then I went back, and I totally, you know, I didn't think anything of it. So this uh, was back, this was probably pre-internet application days. It really, was yeah. hard copy, hard paper, copy pen up. and pencil, got gotcha. you. Yeah, and uh, like it was probably maybe like three weeks uh, after um, getting back to Belize um, that I got a mail 
with our application and it you know with a sticky note and said you know nice meeting you good luck and uh i'm you know i look at you know my wife and i said you know what if he took the time to send me this application you know i have the time to fill it out and send there it back know. and uh that's how uh, i end up in uh in chad sophia's process good what year was that what in what year did you get hired um march of uh, uh march of 2000. 2000 yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah cool and then uh you know what was uh what i'll tell you my my experience i don't do you remember there there were two guys from belize and this might have been after you were with chesterfield mm-hmm. we had two belize firefighters come to our academy and went through the whole school right um and i remember I was teaching some of the live burns, and this was my experience trying to communicate with two two guys from Belize. You know, I got a, I, I think a two or three of them. I had them had them on a hose crew. Mm-hmm. We got the assignment: go to four one and attack the fire in the BC corner or whatever the assignment was. So I relayed that to them. Okay, we're going to floor one. Here's what we're going to do. Got it. We walk in the door and they start heading upstairs. I'm like, no, 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 no. I grabbed by the collar, said, no, floor one, and they go, yeah, yeah, floor one. <laughs> And that was that was my first uh, kind of indoctrination to different cultures in the fire service because I think they call it the ground floor. Yeah. And yeah. the first floor above the ground is floor one. So right. when they heard floor one, they were going to what I was considering floor two. Right. And the the U.S. Belize communication just wasn't <laughs> happening really well that day. So so was there anything like that when you came to the States and went through the – I'm guessing you went through Chesterfield's full academy when you came. Did you have any of those kind of – call it language barrier culture barriers between uh, what we were doing in the states and what you what we used to yeah i mean you know with belize um we were governed by great britain and so a lot of uh, our terminologies and um and um, some of our, our um the things that we call are kind of like inherited from um, britain and um you know just as a side note uh the one of the guys that came through the um uh, through chesterfield's academy uh um matura um, he is the deputy chief of the Belize really? Fire Service now. Right, so good just, for him. Yeah, just so you know that. Um, well, you, you, when you see him, you, you tell him, "Hey, remember that guy? That was me." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there, there were definitely moments like that because I remember, um, you know, we asking, asking, I said that, um, you know, where's your torch? And um, and they was like, "What?" I was like, you know, <laughs> the torch. Yeah, I was like, Where, "Where's the torch at?" And they're like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "We're not starting the fire, man. We're putting yeah. the fire out." It's like. Oh, you mean the flashlight? Yeah. <laughs> light box. I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, that was, there was, you know, little things like that that would uh, would pop up uh, from time to time where I was like, okay, all right, this, is this the same thing? You know, like a uh, you got, you know, nozzle here, we call it a branch pipe, you know, and so, you know, so there was a different moment where I really had to study um, terminologies and, um, and equipment because um, some of the equipment, you know, the, the um, gated Y, it's called a divided breaching in Belize, you know. So it, it's, it's... It's almost it's, a different language in some ways. <laughs> yeah. well, uh, so that was uh, 2000, was it? Yeah, that yeah. was 2000. Yeah, March of 2000. Yeah. What, uh, where'd you go after you came out of recruit school? Um, I went to uh, Station 3 um, on Dundas Road. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my first uh, the, officer the, the was... Pike. Uh, that, the that's Pike. right, the Pike. Yeah. Um, Nick Romano was my mentor. Um, and um, I worked for uh, Captain Bastikas, or Lieutenant Bastikas at the time. Um, and um, that was a, you know, a very cool experience. Um, you know, everybody was like, you know, like, you get to go to Station 3, you know, that, you know, and everybody was wanting to, like, that was like, 
that was the, the place to be. And I was, I, I, not being here or living here before, you have some of the guys who were in the academy with uh, came through the volunteer rank. And so they were definitely, you know. They knew where you were going. Yeah, they were excited for me. So it was pretty cool. Oh, Anything else happened uh, in your career at Chesterfield? Because you ultimately you left left Chesterfield and went to Hanover. What, when did you go make that transition? Um, I made that uh, um, decision um, in 2008. Um, I talked to uh, one of the things that I had done before living in Belize because um, the fire chief in Belize, you know, he had a vision um, for the National Fire Service and, and I definitely bought into that. And, and when I left, I thought that you know, I had somehow, um, you know, interrupted that that um, that vision from from um, coming to fruition, and so I made a promise that I would do um, whatever I can um, once I get in the fire department to be able to help, um, you know, the National Fire Service, you know, um, achieve some of the goals that he had set for itself. And so, um, one of the um, the thing was to. At some point, I saw myself coming back to Belize, um, but I knew that um, I was number th- my uh, instructor number. I think at the time they were—I don't know if they still do an instructor number in, in Chesterfield. Yeah. Uh, they they changed that. Oh, okay, what it was, but yeah. My number was uh, three fifty, and so, um, so one of the things that I think Belize have you know we have never had you know at that time we didn't even click, um, break a hundred people, and so I was number three fifty, and I've gotten I always tell people this that. I got some uh, great training from Chesterfield. I believed in the EMS program. That's why I still live in um, Chesterfield. Um, but Chesterfield could not teach me how to transition from uh, all volunteer organization um, to a combination station, or department, I should say. And um, I felt that I needed to submerge myself in um, in that change, you know, to be able to understand and learn it, so that I could take that um, that knowledge back to Belize. And that, um, and I was going to U of R um, to uh, work on my um, bachelor's in human resources, and I met with um, Chief Crosby from Hanover. Was was, was he the chief then? He was the chief yeah, then, right. yes. Yeah. And so, you know, during the um, this um, schooling, I'd always used Belize Fire Department as project for pretty much everything. And so, um, he was like, "Well, you know what? If you want to come and um, you know work part time, you know, and." and um, you know, see how we do, you know, kind of have a very dynamic staffing at the time. They had like um, like three different shifts or four different shifts. Yeah, because they were covering some stations just daytime, right. some stations just part some days during the week. And yeah. Yeah, it was kind of that early nascent phase of Hanover's growth. Exactly. Know? And, you know, that, you know, I was like, okay, that's cool. You know, I, I get to learn and get paid for it at the same time, part time. Yes. And so I, I did that in April of um, 2008. And then coming on to October, I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I've seen enough, you know, and, and enough to make a decision that I need to actually be here full time. And so um, I met with my, um, uh, with Chief Spaulding. He was my battalion chief. I met with my um, lieutenant and I was like, hey, you know, this is, you know, this is what I need to do. I, you know, I feel I need to do this to, to be able to um, help out the fire department in Belize. And so... Um, I made that transition, you know, to move to to get um, to move to Hanover. What uh, what did, what was the transition like? Did you have to go to an, uh, Hanover Academy, or did they kind of take you as uh, okay? You got your certifications, you got your time in here. Go to this fire station. Um, I just, I got um, it was like a lateral mm-hmm. um, hire, and so I was able to um, 
go to uh, started off in Black Creek at Station Twelve, and um, a little different than Company Three. <laughs> yeah, then, yeah, it was definitely different. I mean, it, 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 one of my first culture shock was you know in uh, Chesterfield. You know, I'm in the jump seat. You know, we get to a hydrant, jump seat gets out, wrap the hydrant, jump back in. And I remember the first structure fire that we were going on. Um, I'm sitting in the jump seat of the engine, and you know, oh, sorry, I was driving. Um, and the lieutenant looked at me and he's like, "What are you waiting for? An invitation?" I said, "Invitation for what?" He said, "Driver, wrap the hydrant here." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, <laughs> oh, a little different, right?" So, <laughs> Did, were there were there jump seat firefighters there though? Yeah, there, yeah, there was. So it was uh, just a different. It was just different. Much like calling a torch or a light, you know, yeah. the driver's job to wrap the hydrant. Yeah, that was yeah, yeah that was definitely different. So that was, I was like, okay, yeah, lesson learned. Yeah. So there was a uh, you know a couple moments like those because again you know um, you know at this time I've you know it was been over eight years um, that I've been in uh, in Chesterfield and so you know I've I've pretty much um, learned the Chesterfield way mm-hmm. and so I had to kind of reprogram you know especially um, you know being a more rural um, department staffing not, not as you know um, not as many people so there there was definitely more um, tasks and activities that was happening. Um, you know, at the firefighter level. Yeah, you know. I, I thought I thought you were getting ready to go down the path. There are no hydrants in Black Creek. That's what I, that's what I thought you were getting ready to talk about. Because I know it's that's a pretty rural part of the county. At least when I was out there for a while, it was. So, and, and you don't have, I guess, the density of fire protection isn't isn't what it is in Chesterfield. Like you know, Company Three, you got you know, well now three stations were almost right on top of you. Right. You might be there a while by yourself if you're working. Oh yeah. When you, uh, from your time in Chesterfield and, and Hanover since, and you're still there now, where are you, where are you working now in Hanover? Um, I'm uh, stationed at, um, in Montpelier at uh, Station 8, which is the um, technical rescue um, station. Cool. Yeah. Any, uh, any calls that you went to in, in, in your time in Chesterfield or, or since you moved to Hanover that really kind of stand out as, uh, you know, I always talk about the ones that you, you really get to and you laugh at or you're glad you were a part of because it was a good team effort kind of thing. Any of those kind of calls that stand out in your mind? Um, I think the, the call that you know kind of like uh, kind of like um, jumps out of me are like EMS um, related call just being at the right place I should say um, you know and having to see um, like an immediate response to, to, to what we did uh, for taking um, instance where uh, went call for a chest pain you know and, and just turn my back to, to get the leads to um you know, put on the patient and then, you know, turn around and, you know, you know, the patient is in uh, cardiac arrest and um, slapping the pads immediately, you know, and then hitting shock and then just get the pulse right immediately back. And I was like, okay, we need to transport and then have them come out of the hospital and in three days and, you know, back home with the pets. I mean, that, it just, uh, those are the, the calls that I, that seem to, you know, resonate a lot more with me than, um, than the fire calls, just because it, it, it that, that's someone that you know you, you, you can't replace yeah. you know i mean the positions and all that stuff you could you know you could replace that um but um having that um that person that lived alone um knowing that if they had not called us when they did you know five minutes later yeah. somebody would have found them you know maybe five days, days later, later yeah. right so that was pretty cool yeah those, those are always interesting you actually see the benefits almost right in front of your face so to speak is uh, you mentioned the ems calls is that um those types of incidents is that because you went off and got your uh, nursing license as well sometime in there where did that fit into the 
equation. Yeah, um, I started um, nursing school right about the, around the same time. Well, actually, I started um, started nursing school in 2011. Um, after I already um, came over to, to Hanover, but I I was preparing for that for that you know with all the different prerequisites and stuff like that, but didn't start the program until 2011. Had you finished uh, the UR program, the HR program at the University of Richmond? And yeah. This that, was kind of the next. That was the next step. Um, I have, uh, you know, one son. Uh, he's at JMU right now. And when he was born, I promised him that I would give him a, a four-year degree. And, and you know, I can do that alone on a, on a fire department salary. So I, I, I was working as a tech at the Moore Regional in, that, um, in the emergency room there. And I always tell people that, um, you know, I look at the nurses, they would always like, Mac, do this, Mac, do that. And I was like, you know, and they were just sitting down. At least that's, <laughs> that was my initial thought process. Like, you just telling me, you know, I'm just getting out, you know, go to do this, go with it. And, uh, you know, one of the nurses looked at me, he's like, you know what? I bet that you could do this. You know, I was like, do what? It's like nursing. It's like, you know, and so I, you know, I was like, okay. I said, well, let me try. That was definitely one of the you know hardest yeah, things that I did. Something different, yeah. Are you yeah. working uh, in the in a healthcare facility now? And it, you know, you're still in the station. Are you still uh, practicing nursing somewhere? Yeah, I work for uh, HEA Swift Creek um, out there on uh, Hall Street. Yeah, um, so ER kind of emergency yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, freestanding ER. Yes, right up from Company Seven. Yeah. yeah. So you don't call those guys from Seven very often, do you? No, uh, well, we we do call them, um, you know, when we have a patient that needs to go emergently. Um, but uh, for the most part, uh, you know, we try to you know follow the process and get um, AMR to come and get them. But I, I see them guys come through from time to time, and it's um, it's interesting because the faces are different. And then when they when I get like a an old guy guy that recognizes me with one of the new guys, and they're like, you know, Mac used to work with us, and they're like, oh, so then after that, when I see him. They're like, hey, Mike, how are you yeah, doing? Yeah, so we kind of like part of the family now. Part of the family, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, um, you you mentioned the talking about your time going to Hanover and um, really wanting to give back to you know, Belize. Uh, you started that little organization how, with Belize Heroes. What's um, tell me a little bit about that and what that organization is doing today and uh, what's happening in Belize now from the fire service. Um, well, they said it's part of my promise that I made to Chief Bayater in Belize. And so ever since I came to the States, you know, one of the first things that we did was I had asked Chief Elswick to, um, if a couple of Belize firefighters could come um, up for um, the academy. Um, that, and so that was, the, that was when was the uh, Ben Matura and Newton Lennon came and went through the um, Chesterfield Academy. Got me all confused, not knowing first floor from <laughs> ground i got you yeah so that was that was one of my right. first step towards um working on and on, on, on fulfilling that promise um and so since then um i've gone to um different uh fire departments and we've gotten um you know turn out gear um equipment and other equipment and ship them down you know put them in the barrels and put, just put them on um ship them on my on my own dime um and in 2017, um, a good friend of mine, Tony Gonzalez, she's the director for the Sacred Heart um, Center in Richmond. And she's like, you know what? You need to start a nonprofit so that you can actually see um, what impact you're making, if any, and be able to, to adjust accordingly. And so she helped me create um, what, what was a VSEP for Belize, which is Virginia Emergency Services Assistance Program, which is a big mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> but in my mind, I was thinking, trying to create an organization that was inclusive of you know um, 
all emergency services. And then when um, VCU has a um, create-a-thon um, that is geared towards nonprofit, um, what they do, they pretty much create um, a logo, um, branding, um, and they, um, you know, we applied and got into that. And so they created, um, they came up with Belize Heroes um, because they wanted to keep the focus on the firefighters in Belize. And so, and, that, um, and that's been taken off since then. So we, um, what we did with, um, we applied for a, um, a CARSI grant, which is the Central um, American um, Regional Safety Initiative. Um, and that's through the U.S. Embassy um, in Belize. And um, we, it was for $250,000 and um, we got um, accepted, um, um, awarded that, um, that funds. And that was to create um, an EMS um, uh, program for the Western part of the country. And so that's what we're currently working on um, is um, you know, training the firefighters as first responder because we, we realized that to take them from zero um, to EMT was gonna be um, overwhelm and uh, and so we wanted to um, pretty much break it up in stages and so we started off with CPR and first aid and then now we're at the EMR level our um, emergency medical responder level and um, the thought process is to move up to our EMT level um, and how long has that been going on how long is this training process and when did you when did you get the grant and when did that start kind of rolling um, the grant um, was awarded in September of last year um, and so, um, during that time, uh, you know, we um, bought a couple of ambulances from Forest View Rescue Squad. We bought the one from um, Chesterfield. Um, we bought a bunch of um, um, life packs um, and different um, EMS equipment. And we just recently shipped those down on a U.S. military air, um, um, aircraft. Um, so those are all, I call them hand-me-downs, but it's kind of second-hand equipment that's out of service in the States, and it's gone to Belize. Right. How did the military get involved? Because I saw some of the pictures on the Facebook page. It's, it's a pretty big Air Force aircraft that's carrying ambulances and right. explorers. Yeah, a couple of a couple of other vehicles that right. are going down. It's not a that's not your basic uh, Cessna that's flying down there. How, <laughs> no. how did the how did the, how did the military come into this? Is this part of that grant program or is it just a um it's not part of the grant program, but that's a program that um, the U.S. Um, Air Force do, uh, do for. It's called the Denton Program, and it's for any um, 501c3 um, nonprofit organization that um, is doing work in other countries. Um, from what I understand, the, um, the U.S. pilots have to maintain a certain um, amount of international um, flying hours, and so uh, rather than just going up and flying for hours and coming back um, they um, for countries in the I guess in Central America and all over I believe um, if you have equipment that is going to go um, to provide um, services for the citizen um, it can't be anything political it can't be um, anything that is um, um, isolate one group or the other you need to be um, for everybody basically then you apply to them um, they accept uh, your application and you know you meet their requirement of course that you know, you need to get this um, vehicle here by this time. You need to have X, Y, Z, and then uh, making sure you have all the paperwork in place so that um, when it's time for them to move, they just move. How long does that process take? I know it, you're looking at local government, and it moves at the speed of smell. I can just imagine <laughs> what the doing something on that yeah. scale with the military would be. What? How, how long are you talking about? How long did this process take from okay, we're gonna we're gonna put the application into okay, we got the ambulances and the equipment in Belize. Um, 
the the first time that we did it, um, how we did it back in 2020, um, when Forest View um, donated an ambulance to us um, to start the the um, the pilot program for the EMS, it take it took maybe about um, maybe two and a half, maybe three months, um, if that. That's not bad. Um, it wasn't bad at all. This this time, I put the application in December, and the ambulance um, didn't um, go down until this past July, and that was just. Um, you know, there was, there was a lot of stuff going on. Um, you know, they, we had a big shipment. You know, we had uh, three ambulances, we had two explorers, and we had like a pallet full of um, EMS supplies. So, on one airplane. On one airplane. Okay. And so, we had to make sure that there was an aircraft that was available just for that trip only. Because um, typically, if they had um, supplies for Central America, you might have um, multiple um, cargo. And they would multiple go to Belize stops. and they'll go to multiple stops. Well, they couldn't do that with this. And so they had to make sure that one was available for just us. Just that. Wow. So what's, uh, give me kind of an impression of what, um, how things have changed in Belize from when you were there, when you came up in that organization and left to how it's at working today. I know you know, the, the, you know you mentioned the two folks that came to Chesterfield. I know you've had other people that come up and went through the Hanover mm-hmm. Academy as well. So obviously they're they're coming to the states, getting more training, more um, in depth training on on how we fight fire. What is that and that equipment doing to the fire service in Belize? And or is it bigger now because of the ability of them to do their job better? Um, there's definitely still um, uh, challenges um, with staffing challenges. Definitely, I mean they've they've increased um, the number from when I was there, but uh, in my opinion, it's not um, increased enough. Um, and we we still um, the guys are still riding on um, you know engines that are you know thirty and forty years old, and so um, the mechanics have been phenomenal um, down in Belize. So one of the things that um, when you know. COVID hit, you know, everything kind of like came to like a, almost to a screeching halt. A lot of the pre-hospital um, treatment was was being, you know, pretty much selective to um, only accidents or trauma related. And your, your medical calls, you know, it was kind of like pick and choose whether or not they would go because they everybody didn't really know a whole lot about COVID and didn't want to uh, expose their people. And so we saw this as an opportunity for the fire department to pretty much step up and be able to um, provide this service to um, to the folks. Um, and so they, with the guys that came through Hanover, um, you know, six of them, they went through EMT as well. And so um, what, they, what we did was in 2020, we had them um, come and help one of our um, instructors from, um, from Hanover that went down there um, to train the pilot, uh, like 21 guys that were, did the pilot program. And we collected the data from that. Um, and... You know, once we submitted that application to the um, to the MSS um, CARSI program, you know, we were like, okay, there's obviously a need, and so we want to see how we could expand this to um, not just one town in the district, but the entire district. And so, one of the things that is um, that has come out of this that is gonna uh, blow a lot of folks' mind is, for the first time, the fire department have an emergency communication center. Uh, and I'm talking like a legit communication center wow. where we have um, um, not or traditional CAD um, um, system, but it's it, it's it's a, a what I call it a, a poor man's CAD system. And so there's a group out of Seattle, Washington um, called Impact Northwest, and they partner with uh, um, Trek Medics that um, has a software called Beacon. 
and basically it, it's you know the guys putting in um, the call into the, the, the beacon and it's able to pull up the, um, the map um, you know and we're able to send that to the tablet so now you know we have tablets in um, all the fire stations in the western part of the country as well as in the ambulance and I never thought that that would when we started this, this process I never thought we would have tablets in the fire engine you know oh, wow. so, so how was it how would it work before i mean was it a, a phone call or a carrier pigeon how did <laughs> one does is there a national like 911 line to get i got a story about being in ireland and telling somebody to call 911 and they're going that's nah, not the number here but how did they activate the system in belize before all this technology came on and what was what was that communication like because if they I mean, i'm just kind of call it flabbergasted how they were working getting calls and responding and communicating back and forth there um, um so each station basically um the fire stations in belize work in isolation so each station had their own seven digit number um there was a there's a national number which was nine zero and that would go to the telephone company um operator and they have the ability to transfer it to whatever station it is okay if you did not know the individual um uh, phone number for that particular station there is a 911 um, uh, emergency number but that goes directly to the police department and so when you call 911 you get the police the police pull that information and then they turn around and call the fire department um, in some cases they were actually sending out their mobile units um, to verify and then you know they call in the fire department and and of course there's well, a lapse in time. Well, we know cops want to be real firemen anyway, so that was their <laughs> that was their effort to be become firemen. Anyway, right? That's right. <laughs> but you know, it's it's uh, it's been amazing that um, you know now um, because the, the the police already had nine one one and you know wouldn't I wouldn't but like a better term what wanted to share it uh, at this time. Um, so we uh, the fire department created um, their own uh, emergency number, which is the nine nine zero and. So wherever you are in the country, if you dial 990, it would um, automatically go to the closest fire station. So you no longer had to uh, remember a seven-digit number for all 16 fire stations. So what we did when um, um, Impact Northwest uh, came on board was that we had all the um, calls for the four stations in the western part of the country, the Kaya District, be rerouted to one fire station where we've established the um, communication center. And this fire station is one of the stations that um, was built by the U.S. government. Um, they, um, that program also um, built them a brand new fire station in the capital city. And so we used one of the uh, one of the floors in that station to establish the communication center and had all the emergency calls rerouted to, to that one place. So I'm, I'm guessing you, you, in the old way with dialing a seven-digit number, if you called the station and that crew was out, you got a ring, ring, ring. Nobody was there to answer it potentially. Now you've got a true communications people that are sitting there waiting for the phone to ring. Right. Awesome. One of the things, too, about uh, Belize is that the person who is in charge of the station, um, there's also a resident quarters next to that station, and so that's where, you know, he or she lives with uh, their family. So when you you hire that that, that officer, you also hire hire the the whole family. family. So if they happen to be out on a call or, 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 you know, maybe doing training or guests or whatever they're doing, um, and that phone rings, it's expected that that spouse would um, would pick up that and, and get the information and then, you know, call the, the uh, officer on it. Again, didn't have any radios, so they would call them on their personal um, phone and let them know that there was a fire, you know, and 
they would move that way. Wow. And hopefully they had their phone close enough to them to be able to answer it. Yeah. Sounds like they were relying an awful lot on kind of old school kind of word of mouth yeah, patching together. Now they're you know, on top of things. It sounds like with, with the technology at least uh, going forward. Yeah. Well, you know, we, like I said, this is, this is a program that we've started in the western, in the Cuyahoga District, which is the western part of the country. So you have all the other five districts um, are still, you know, operating under that um, system. And so um, one of the things is that we're, we've putting up um, three digital repeater um, um, sites and um, each of the ambulance going to have um, radios, um, you know. So we, we're definitely trying to build a model or create a model um, for the Kaya District that we could, um, the thought process is, you know, apply for, you know, funding to be able to take it to another district and do the same thing and maybe tweak it a little bit. But um, the fire department doesn't have this, this thought up capital to be able to create it but they could maintain it after that so that, that's a, the idea now is to um, try to look out for funding that would allow us to um, take this model and go from district to district you know just kind of incrementally grow it to right. nationwide right wow that's that's tremendous work and you've been this um the belize heroes or that organization has been around since when um officially since uh 2017 when we uh, we became a uh uh, um, incorporated. So only about five years you've been able to do a lot of that work. Uh, yeah. Like I said, I've, I'm, you know, I've, I've, I've been told I need to stop and, and, and look back because I'm, I'm, I think there's so much more that we need to do that I, I don't really stop to think about what we have done and, and you know, the guys on my board they were like, hey man, just let's take a break and just look out and see how far we've come uh, just to appreciate it and then we could move on. Yes, yeah, let's enjoy the moment for a moment. And- right. So what, what's your role with that group now? Are you the... Uh... So I'm the, um, the president um, of the organization and um, what we've been you know, um, working on is trying to um, transition to um, having our executive um, um, director um, more operational. So um, I might be you know, relinquishing the, the presidency to be able to focus more on um, the day-to-day um, and then that um, person would, as far as like the, the president of the organization could do strategic you know, so more of some more of like an employee of the organization to actually get the work done, and because you've got those other couple three jobs like dad, <laughs> nurse, you know, firefighter in Hanover. So yeah, and I mean it, it's um you know it, it's it's one of the things that we've we've wanted to make sure that um, everybody that is on the board are volunteers. Um, there's nothing that that um, nobody's getting paid. Um, you know. You know, if we if we, now if we use our personal funds to, to, to do work, you know, it's reimbursed. But, um, you know, we we want to make sure that when folks, um, you know, either decide um, to donate um, funds to for a project, that that fund is going to that project, and the equipment is going to that, you know, um, to Belize to be able to, you know, um, to um, push forward whatever initiative that we're working on, and didn't want to um, create an issue where. Um, you know, money is going to administrative or operational costs versus where it needs to, to go. And so um, that's what we've been maintaining. So a lot of guys that, that are um, firefighters that I work with, um, nurses, and so they understand, you know, what we're trying to do, and they totally support that. Yeah. Give me a, a feel for who's on your board. Are these uh, folks from Belize or are these folks in the States or a combination of both? Um, right now, it's, uh, we just have... Um, Folks here in the states, um, you know, have um, you know, Jason Carrick. He's a uh, he's, he just retired from Hanover, mm-hmm. 
Um, I know um, Andrew Womble. Um, I work with him at Station 8. Um, Jennifer um, Sullivan, she's a, um, a nurse in Powhatan. Um, Kendall, um, she's an actual firefighter in Hanover as well. And then uh, Marquita, um, she just picked up, a, I think she used to be Henrika's um, EMS coordinator. And now she, I think she's um, going to work at VCU. So this is a obviously a nonprofit organization, and um, I know how nonprofits work. It's not you you get funding either grants or donations, and um, I'm, I heard you say Forrest, you donated an ambulance, and I don't, yeah. I don't know where the where the other equipment came from. Were those all donations too, or did uh, you have to buy those as, as surplus? Um, with the um, the ambulance we got for, we got ambulance donated from Dupont and Chief um, Lucard. Um, I used to, you know, work for him in Chesterfield um, when he was um, the chief in, in uh, DuPont. Um, they had an ambulance there that they were getting ready. To, when they were getting out of transporting patient mm-hmm. off-site, um, you know, he reached out to me and, you know, um, said, hey, you know, this is what we, you know, we have a ambulance and a box truck that was used to our hazmat vehicle. And so I rode in for it and, um, and got that. And so we actually are... We have the um, box truck and the ambulance in Belize, and we're working on a hazmat initiative to be able to utilize that truck as an emergency response to hazmat um, incident in Belize. So it's definitely um, being in the right place, right time, you know, people getting um, to know um, the organization. I think one of the things that um, gave us some validity was uh, when Hanover um, agreed to have, um, you know, six firefighters come through the academy, and we started putting that on, on, on Facebook and, and you know, um, started pushing that out. Um, we, then we got Henrico who agreed to have, um, you know, one of the guys go through Hazmat Tech. And, you know, it, once we had, like, big department, like, you know, names like that, you know, Hanover, Henrico, that says, hey, yes, we will help. Um, it it makes people feel comfortable that this is not an organization that is just, you know, a little fly-by-night, that, that we're, you know, we're legit, we're serious. And we are actually doing work, you know. And it's obviously showing. I mean, the, just that leap of a communication systems is uh, is a huge leap. But if anybody else out there, you know, outside of Richmond area, and this is, I'm lucky enough that this gets heard in a bunch of different states. If there's other departments out there or individuals who want to help out with the effort, what's uh, what's the best way for them as an individual or a department to help out with the effort? Um, they could um, reach out to. Um, so BDCOs through our website, uh, BDCOs.org, um, and then um, uh, submit the information and guarantee that um, myself or one of the other board members is going to um, contact them. Um, we also have our email address, um, BDCOs, you know, at gmail.com. Um, and, of course, my number is also um, on the uh, Facebook, um, BDCOs Facebook page as well. So um, 804-513-1030. There it is. That's how to get in touch with the man himself. So, yeah, yeah and there's a bunch of, and I'm going to, if it's okay with you, swipe some uh, some pictures off of that Facebook page just to mm-hmm. kind of highlight for for this podcast Facebook page. I'm going to push it out here in a week or so and uh, make sure everybody sees it. You can include a link to that Facebook page and uh, people can follow along with the good work you guys are doing there. Thank you. Um, let's kind of ask everybody uh, this kind of last question. Um, you've been in the fire service a couple in, in a couple of countries, in a couple of jurisdictions, uh, for more than 20 years now, uh, besides telling young firefighters who want to be not to join before they're age eligible, <laughs> what, uh, what kind of advice do you think you could give somebody who's joining the job today 
um, to help them have a successful career. I think um, I think we probably need to strike a balance. I, I think you know we need to find something um, that we enjoy that is away from work because um, um, you know one of the things that I've I've seen over the years, it, it, you know. We, we get in the job, we're gung-ho, and we go to all these training, and we, every weekend we're spent going training, and it's great to, to advance your knowledge and, and, um, and you know, perfect your craft. Um, but at the same time, I think we need to strike a balance where um, you know, we don't do it at the cost of, um, you know, of our family, you know, our circle, so that you know, in those times when things do get rough, we do have a, a strong support network. You know? That uh, work-life balance piece is right. uh, huge. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Mac McFarland, any other comments, suggestions, uh, anything we want to talk about that we missed? Um, I just, you know, I want to um, thank. I, there's no way I could thank uh, everyone. Um, you know, there's just the, the list is is so 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 long. Um, but you know, uh, no Chief Margar. You know, yeah, he went to Belize and you know he did a leadership and um, strategic planning. You know, all right, this uh, month. Um, their Hanover communication director is going down there to teach radio communication. Um, so we've, we've definitely had a lot of folks who have, um, you know, offered and have um, assisted sometimes with just, you know, be able to bounce ideas off. And I, yeah, there's no way I could um, thank everybody individually. And I just want to um, use this medium to thank everyone um, who, you know, shares in, in our organization, the vision for, for Belize and um, the National Fire Service. You know, I've, I've, like I said, I've been for the last 22 years. I've been providing fire and EMS service um, to the folks in of Virginia, and um, you know, I would like to see that level of, of of service, you know, being provided to you know back home, back home, you know. Yeah. Mac, thanks, thanks for coming out today, man. Good, good work you're doing, not only in the in Chesterfield and Hanover, but uh, for your hometown back in Belize too. And I know those guys and gals are. Uh, very much appreciative of the services they're getting now. So uh, keep up the good work, man. Uh, if there's anything I can do from this platform that can uh, get the word out, man, let me know. Appreciate it. Thank you. Right. And uh, just a reminder that uh, obviously Mac's email and phone number is in there. Be sure to reach out to him if you want to help or have any questions, but uh, ideas and suggestions for the podcast, I'm certainly welcome. Welcome them as well. Reach out to me at uh, firehouse logbook at gmail.com and follow along on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, anybody who's interested in helping support this podcast, uh, sign up for the added content on Patreon. Uh, we appreciate it. And, uh, Mac, thanks again for being here. Thank you, sir.